Hello, listeners, and welcome to the inaugural episode of the Four Mules and One Jackass podcast. It is episode one, coming to you from lockdown. So wherever in the world you're listening to from, I hope you're keeping well and staying safe. My name is Ryan. And I'm Christopher. And we're basically here to give you our insights and, you know, perspective of F1. We've been long time fans not that we have so much technical knowledge but uh, yeah it's basically for everyone that really likes f1 that might want to listen to some relatively older people's opinions and perspectives uh, most importantly i hope you guys learn something and have fun along the way so yeah so in this podcast we're trying to do something new we're trying to add a little flavor to the world of formula one how we're going to do that we're going to keep this podcast short and sweet um sharp and a little salty as well. So those are our flavors. You're going to hear them um, throughout our podcasts. So our sweet sweet note, that'll be something over the past week, over the past two weeks, uh, something we enjoyed seeing in the world of Formula One. The sharp note is a train of thought or a question intended to encourage discussion or provoke thought. And then lastly, our salt note, our salt bit of salt um so that'll be uh, a personal thought that uh or event that occurred that left us with a with a bad aftertaste there's a lot of salt in f1 basically that's what we're trying to say right so watch out for those flavor notes um but uh yeah episode one let's get started christopher yeah we're (laughs) just about on the brink of free practice session one starting Mm -hmm. in bahrain what are you looking forward to most in 2021 well basically so fp1 is tomorrow this is our third take of this podcast (laughs) if people want to know uh so yeah we did have some uh screw up so basically we tried to do the testing didn't work but uh yeah so basically to talk about what we're looking forward to i'm really looking forward to some of the young talent coming in this year, um, mm-hmm. specifically uh, Mick Schumacher and uh, Yuki Tsunoda. I myself is half Japanese, so it would be good to have a Japanese driver in F1 again. Um, yeah, but also having Alonso and Raikkonen, the old guys, you know, juxtaposed uh, to them. Uh, I think it's going to be really interesting. So, yeah. Yeah, we have two, or rather we have three uh, talents making their debuts in F1 this year. Uh, Mick Schumacher, son of legendary Formula One driver Michael Schumacher. I hope he's doing well. Uh, Yuki Tsunoda, as you said, Nikita Mazepin. Juxtaposed to that, we have Kimi Raikkonen and Fernando Alonso coming back. Both of those drivers making their debuts 20 years ago in 2001. Um, Both of them racing against Michael Schumacher senior um, not senior just Michael Schumacher because it's <laughs> called Mick of course yeah and uh, it's been 30 years since uh, Michael's debut uh, this year as well so yeah pretty crazy to think about but, uh, basi- yeah, but basically I'm looking forward to seeing how Yuki will perform against Pierre Gasly because his his rise to F1 was so quick and so sudden like only a couple of years ago he started single seaters basically uh, with F4 in Japan um, and it seems that, you know, he's been on such a big rise and Helmut Marko at Red Bull really saw something in him. And to anyone that didn't follow F2 last year, he he had some amazing drives. It was his first season in Formula 2. I think he finished fourth or third, possibly. Um, but in any case, 
some of his drives were absolutely amazing. Mick Schumacher, of course, it was his second season in Formula 2. And his rhythm seems to be that he'll have one year to learn and then one year where he performs. His F3 season was like that as well. So, uh, yeah, he's he's going to be in a difficult spot this year with the Haas car. Um, they have already said they're not going to develop the car that much. So let's see. And uh, Yuki already has showed some pretty good pace in the Alpha Tauri. Uh, he seems to be learning so quickly as well. Um, he likes to have an oversteering car. So hopefully that shows that he has some talent. Yeah, Yuki winning Rookie of the Year last year in Formula 2, finishing third. Mick Schumacher, of course, taking home the title, the Formula 2 title. Uh, and like you said, there seems to be a bit of a pattern uh, with him coming into a series, taking the first year to, to learn, to figure something out. The second year he is on and usually takes home the title. So maybe, you know, impossible things can happen that this year will be his learning year and then i'll go straight to the betting office to put my money on him becoming champion in 2022 why not do it <laughs> <laughs> but uh yeah ryan what are you looking forward to this year like i think we're with some cars we're seeing the letter b back into the car names yeah, especially yeah especially at red bull and williams so what essentially 2021 is, is there's a large continuation of the rules from 2020, but largely going to remain the same. The only difference being that they're taking about 10 centimeters of floor away in front of the rear tires, which leads to less downforce being created by the cars. Apart from that, it is from the cars and the regulations point of view, it's, it's largely the same. So the the, the teams have decided to continue last year's car. Um, a bit of updates from the floor that they need to make, but for the rest, it's it's largely the same. So they haven't. Some teams haven't bothered naming a, a new car. They just take last year's car and add a B towards the end to differentiate it from last year's car. Yeah, and that's something we used to see a lot back in the day. Like. I remember 2004, McLaren having their B-Spec car, the MP419B, debuted at 2004, obviously, but uh, at Spa, that's what I meant to say, uh, where Kimi won. Well, no, it didn't debut at Spa, so it debuted at Silverstone. But, you know, just seeing those B-Spec cars again in F1 uh, brings back good memories, you know, because you'd be halfway through the season and some teams would have had time to basically redevelop their car and launch them. So, yeah, this year's seeing these, these names back, yeah, brings back uh, a lot of uh, memories. Uh, I think it'll be it'll be good to have one extra year with this kind of uh, the spec in F one before we move over to the new regulation. So um, yeah, yeah, with the regulations largely staying the same, you can view the the twenty twenty one Formula One season as a sort of twenty twenty B season. But with everything largely staying the same. Um, uh, I know it's our first podcast, Christopher, but I'm mm -hmm. going to start mine on a bit of a salty note. Of course. So, Christopher, we have to talk about Kevin. I mean, Pirelli. <laughs> <laughs> so, I mean, we can talk about Kevin Magnussen as well, if you want. You know, I'm also half Danish, so there's lots to talk about there. Uh, not the Kevin I was referring to. I know. But the, the actual Kevin, so Pirelli. Um, so what's new for this season is they, they sort of changed a few things 
So it's a new carcass. They're three kilos heavier, but they're going to be having the same compound or largely the same compound of, of the tires as last year. And if you can remember the compounds that they used last year, the tires that they used last year are the same as they used in 2019 because when the, the drivers tested the tires intended for 2020 at the end of 2019, they flat out rejected them. So they, yeah. they, they kept the, the, the 2020 tires. Then they brought this new tire for this season, the last of which is going to be raced on the 13-inch tires. And next season, they're moving over to 18-inch. So my bit of salt is that tires are so important in Formula One, just it's in motor racing. It's the most important thing. It is know? the most important. They're all, it doesn't matter how fast your car is. You can have the best aerodynamic features. You can have the best engine of the entire grid, the entire world. But there's only four things connecting the car to the track. And if the tires aren't up to scratch, then your car won't go very fast. No. And in, in this modern Formula One, you see, well, currently, during qualifying, magnificent laps being set but by the time the grand prix starts they're five six seconds off the pace yeah i mean they have to save tires they have to save fuel the fuel part of it i mean makes sense with the new hybrid era uh with no refueling and stuff but i wish they could just push the tires a bit more you see it in indycar and other racing series where the drivers can really push you know we don't like in f1 now nowadays we see that the lap times are like sometimes anywhere from five to ten seconds slower on the first couple of laps uh from the pole time which is insane in 2004 i think they would be one two seconds off the pace uh from the qualifying pace in the race already after a couple of laps and that's something i think would be would be a better thing for f1 to focus on uh that the drivers can actually push the cars another thing with that is the cars are maybe a bit too big and, you know, they're so sensitive to aero. Uh, this is something they're, of course, working for for 2022. But I think they could do more in that regard. And I think the tires are a really big part of that. Um, so, yeah, I understand the salt with Pirelli. We've had yeah, but them here's for a, quite here's a while a now. Question I ask. Here's a question I ask, Christopher. So with the 2021 regulations, you know, with the new floor, with the mm -hmm. less downforce created, is that solely because... It's been proven that the Pirelli tires simply cannot handle the the downforce loads of the cars. In no, I don't think so. I mean, it it also has to do with following another car. So when you have such sensitive aero, um, you lose a lot of the downforce when you're following close to another car, and in in some cases it's quite extreme. Uh, you'd have to go a lot off the throttle just to turn the car in. The Pirelli tires, of course, have a big big say in that, but. Let's say we could introduce a new formula where where dirty air wasn't a problem. It's always going to be a problem, but let's say e extremely efficient ground effect cars only. And then with the current Pirelli tires, I still think they would have issues. But um, yeah, let's see anyway. So Well, it's but, not just following or the inability to follow the cars in front of you. It's also just tires blowing up. Yeah, and absolutely. We've seen that in a couple of races. Uh, luckily, no one was hurt, but also proved to be quite spectacular as well remembering lewis hamilton finishing and winning the british grand prix on three three wheels yeah i mean safety first right of course uh but they should be able to race on these tires they shouldn't go into tire conservation from lap one like that just seems 
yeah, it seems a bit ridiculous to be honest. Like, it is the pinnacle of motorsport, and the one thing that's kind of holding the cars back and the drivers back is the tires. And Pirelli, of course, have been told that this is what the FIA wants. So I don't think you can solely blame it on Pirelli. Of course, that would be a bit too too tough. But I think there should be a discussion about tires and where they want, which direction they want to to bring Formula One in, basically. Well, luckily, like I said before, next year, they're going to bring in the 18-inch tires. So for them, it's a blank page. Um, If it's going to continue um, like the past couple of seasons, luckily, we only have one year left. So let's just end on a hopeful note, um, saying hopefully by next year's regulations, of course, new regulations in the cars as well, but also tires. Hopefully, we get to see some, some exciting racing back again and the drivers are not limited to the tires that they have. Yeah, and with, with ground effect as well, it would be easier to follow cars into the last corner, going onto a straight and then uh, overtaking. So, But yeah, um, anyway, looking back on 2020, Ryan, what were some of the things that like stood out to you? Well, I would say what I enjoyed a lot about 2020 was the unusual calendar that we had so going to races formula one otherwise would not have visited in a normal sort of year yeah of course because of the the pandemic COVID 19 a lot were a lot of races were were canceled so the season started to the fia to yeah the the season started in in july or something like that um like amazing effort by by everyone to come up with the 17 race schedule um after inactivity for such a long time so i was excited to go back racing but also going to places that formula one has never been before like mugello um like portimao uh, amazing track you know that i'm a big portimao fanboy like i've been following this track for a long time ever since it was like you know i think it was 2008 or whenever it was finished it was supposed to be an anti anti anti-tilkadrome basically lots of elevation changes cars being able to follow each other and i think it wasn't the best race this year uh, at Portimao, but it just goes to show that, you know, lots of uh, opportunity there. And of course, you're referring to Hermann Tilke, the, the designer, um, who's essentially been the, the in-house Formula One designers of the, of the past, let's say, decade, 15 years. Um, him being the one that usually designs the new tracks, which... I mean, uh, to be fair to him as well, like, it's not always him having designed tracks that are not interesting he's giving a plot of land and being told to make an interesting track here and of course safety has to be the first priority but it is a bit you know copy paste sometimes and i feel like hammond tilke himself i think is being held back (laughs) i think he could design better tracks if he if he really wanted to fair enough so we have a new race on the calendar this year as well or actually one and a half so we have zandvoort returning to Formula One, uh, the first race there since 1985. And we're going to have a new Grand Prix, uh, Saudi Arabia. So first uh, in Jeddah, the street track for a couple of years while a permanent circuit is being built around Riyadh. So your thoughts on that, Christopher? Yeah, so I saw the first onboard shots of the Jeddah circuit from Assetto Corsa, which is a sim basically, uh, which is cool that you can already see how the track's gonna look how it's gonna feel to drive on it before you can even um, you know see the f1 race there and without going into the politics of it just talking about the track i think it looks incredibly dangerous um (laughs) 
Baku, I know, is very popular uh, on the on the calendar, but that's also one of the tracks I feel is a bit dangerous, to be honest. Like it, the Jeddah circuit feels like it's the last sector of Baku just for a whole lap. Uh, there doesn't seem to be much runoff area. There, I can imagine a lot of places where the cars, if they get a bit too close and another front wheel hits the rear wheel, it will get launched into uh, into uh, you know the catch fencing. Um, it'll be interesting to see. I'm I'm curious about the race itself, but I, I am a bit scared. Like it, it it doesn't look a typically safe F1 track to be honest. Um, it also seems a bit hard for cars to overtake. There's not many overtaking spots. And it could be uh, a bit hard for the cars to follow as well. It's very flowing. Yeah, immediately when the onboard rendering was, was released, along with pictures of the track, uh, you, Christopher, immediately said, oh, I think that's from Assetto Corsa and sim racing. So tell me about sim racing in 2020. Yeah, so, you know, all of us were waiting for racing to resume again. Uh, we, were, we were getting really itchy, you know, Formula One teasing us a bit with the Australian Grand Prix being cancelled. I mean, it was the right decision, don't get me wrong. I just mean that we were all ready to see the race and then it got cancelled. So to bridge that gap, uh, sim racing got very big in 2020. It was hard to get equipment, you know, everyone was trying to buy new steering wheels and whatnot, but... It was amazing. You could see F1 drivers race against streamers or other normal people, basically. See how they thought. Um, get a basically a closer insight into into how racing drivers think and how they drive. The cars aren't real in sim racing, but the racing is. You know, that's the very famous motto. But uh, yeah, it was absolutely amazing. We had some F1 esports series. George Russell doing amazing. Lando Norris is famous as well for streaming a lot. Uh, Charles Leclerc was there as well. Latifi as well um yeah so that was really cool it, it really bridged you know the gap like we sometimes see these formula one drivers as you know these super beings that can drive formula one cars amazingly fast which they are but then to see them in an environment that more people can relate to uh was amazing i really love that yeah it was great during lockdown to see some form of racing yeah exactly uh, up until last summer i had no idea who jimmy broadbent was um, but apparently he's a very famous uh, character in the, the, the sim racing world. And by the time we actually got racing, uh, it showed how how important esports have gotten in, in the motor sports world. Yeah, I mean, simulation, simulations are still simulators as well, based on some similar technology sometimes, you know, and a lot of young drivers coming in, they have already been, you know, sim racing before they even get into F1. Um, I think that's a, that could be a, there's a lot of future in that. Cool. So looking, going back to the real world, <laughs> mm-hmm. going back into Formula One. Uh, last weekend we had uh, the the first and only testing session of 2021. Three days total. Um, some teams uh, there was a morning and afternoon session. So. What some teams decided to do was put one driver in in the morning session and the other driver in the afternoon session. The next day switched them over and the next day switched them over again so that both drivers had about one and a half days in the car each. Williams decided to go another route. They decided to put their race drivers in on the last two days, give them full days each. And on the first day of testing, put in their test and development driver in for the full day. So their race drivers, as opposed to the rest of the grid, only got one full day in the new cars. What stood out at you during testing? Well, first of all, it was such a short uh, testing. Like, I feel sorry for some of the young drivers. They don't get up to speed. 
but I think it could prove that the first couple of races will be more interesting. You know, um, Mercedes, for instance, didn't look that good. We're not going to get too much into that with Mercedes and Red Bull because there's a lot of speculation going on already. I'm sure they'll catch up, uh, but usually they'd be able to catch up in the testing. Uh, but having only three days meant that the, everyone basically had to get the most out of the time there. And to talk a little bit about the midfield, because that battle is going to be so close this year, I think. It was last year mm -hmm. anyway. Yeah, who's um, your spotlight on? Yeah, I mean, I had a couple of teams here, uh, but Alfa Romeo, they did a lot of running. The new Ferrari engine looks good. Um, they've changed the front. So usually the Ferrari-powered teams, so Haas, Alfa Romeo and Ferrari, had a similar front design of the car. But uh, this year, Alfa Romeo has taken it a little bit different. Um, Kimi, you know, Kimi Raikkonen already said that the car feels good to drive. It's more drivable. It has more power. And so they seem to just have improved on all areas. Um, so, yeah, that could be really interesting to see uh, how they're going to do. Um, any teams you're looking out for, Ryan? Well, yeah, speaking of that midfield pack, the one that won the battle last season was McLaren. And McLaren was a team that caught everyone's attention during this uh, testing session as well. So I'm so excited for McLaren. Yeah, so much hype what's for new them. for them this season is... Uh, their Mercedes engine. Mm -hmm. So they've gone back to the Mercedes engine. They started this uh, V6 hybrid era with Mercedes uh, engines, then moved on to Honda, which unfortunately wasn't a very successful period of time for McLaren. Seeing them at the back of the grid, which, which hurt the hearts of every racing fans. We had two former world champions in the form of Fernando Alonso and Jensen Button driving for an amazing team for with a great brand and history, but seeing them at the back uh, of the grid, um, yeah. So that was a shame. They switched uh, over to Renault engines for the past couple of seasons, and every season they have made progress, which exactly. was uh, yeah great to see. Now for this season, they've and for the next few seasons, they've signed uh, signed on with Mercedes for their powertrain, not just the engine, their entire powertrain. So that was very reliable over the past couple of uh, testing days. They ran a lot. They seemed quick out of the box as well. I mean, Ricardo had some good pace from the beginning um, and he, he looked very happy. And sometimes that's what you get out of testing. It's hard to see what the teams are specifically doing, but when a driver or a team has like a good you know, a good vibe around them. That's usually a good sign. Um, we saw that with Stroll last year with the racing point. So, uh, yeah, I yeah. think Ricardo brings a lot to the team as well. So, Yeah, and there is a lot of things to be excited for, for the future of McLaren. Uh, of course, being led by, on, on the foreground, Zach Brown. We see his, his, his passion in motorsports. Arrivederci. Um, <laughs> <laughs> And then uh, team principal, Andreas Seidel, uh, hugely experienced in Formula One, but also uh, like I listened to his podcast the other day. And yeah, I need to can, do that as well. You can hear that he's such a fanboy, the reasons why he came to Formula One and actually meeting the person who inspired him to go into Formula One. So no spoilers here. Okay, okay. But you can you can see the, the passion that both of these people have for motorsports. And those are exactly the right type of leaders you want in in a, a thorough racing team you know Absolutely. it's, it's and, not and he just came from about... the porsche background he brought yeah, porsche yeah. 
way back up to to where they belong in Le Mans. You know, the first year they had some hiccups, but then they just dominated, and, and that was after Audi dominating. So. Really so it's impressive. good to have people with passion in, in leadership positions as opposed to just number crunchers and looking yeah. at ROIs and such. So that's that's good to see as well as the, the design front because Formula One is a technology-driven sport. Mm -hmm. um, the whole paddock, or rather they got the attention of the whole paddock because as the only team on the grid, they've managed to come up with a new sort of diffuser design by extending the floor at the back with these new regulations uh, and they managed to lower it a bit so to improve airflow going to the back uh, james key um their their uh, person responsible for design um commented on it that they found something innovative but it'll take the rest of the team probably about three to four three to five weeks to to catch up but uh, they were the only one in the testing session in Bahrain to to roll it out. Diffuser, you're talking about? Yeah. Yes, yes. So that's that, that's hopeful for the future as well. Hopefully, we can uh, we can see some some exciting battles in the midfield with uh, the the the, um, the Alpine team, uh, the the new name of Renault Alpine, of course, being one of the brands that Renault owns. The the return of Fernando Alonso with Alpine. Yeah, that's going to be good. Seeing him fighting that scar muscling it around, you know, I can't wait for that. So Ferrari, you can never um, forget. Formula One without Ferrari is not Formula One. Uh, and then hopefully another couple, uh, another few teams stepping up to the plate to have an exciting midfield battle like uh, like Alfa Romeo, as you said, or the other Alfa, Alfa Tauri. Mm -hmm. So plenty yeah, to be excited. Not, not there. About. I mean... Uh, uh, just to talk a little bit about the back markers, you know, I just want to say that um, Williams this year, they, they looked much better last year than they did the year before. Uh, they seem to have been focusing a lot on maximizing downforce so their car won't be suitable to all tracks. It's quite wind sensitive, but the, if that can give them one or two races where they might be able to score a point, I think that'll be all worth them, uh, all worth it for them anyway. So, uh, yeah, I'm a bit hopeful for them. Russell is a good driver, so let's let's hope the best for that. Cool. So, season's about to start. New mm -hmm. season of Drive to Survive came out. Oh yes. Uh, have you watched? No, not all of it. I'm I'm almost finished. But yeah, it's it's right. juicy. It's it's of course so dramatized, but it's uh, yeah, it's interesting. I I, I get hooked every year. Well, that's that's the point. It's gotten so many people hooked, and yeah. so many people who weren't Formula One fans before. Exactly. And that's that's fantastic to see because that's one of the key objectives of liberty media over the past a couple of years and then for the future liberty media uh, being the company that owns formula one so they're getting all these people engaged interested in formula one and that's usually step one and the hardest step to to get people interested in yeah. uh in sales it's called you know new customer acquisition so they've managed to do that, but then how are going? How are they going to follow up that interest if they want to tune in and watch a race? Because everything is going behind the paywall. Yeah, that's yeah. Just to touch a bit about that, I see every day someone writing about drivers about how it got them into F one, and it's so good to see because a lot of them are Americans, and you know F one has been trying so hard to get into American market. So seeing all of these people having an interest in F1 is great. 
we need more people to to watch F1. I started getting into F1 because by chance I was at my grandmother's place and, you know, qualifying session for the Australian Grand Prix was being replayed. Um, and then I also thought, okay, I, I might as well watch the race. It was early in the morning, watch the race. I was immediately hooked. That yeah, wouldn't have happened if it exactly. wasn't free to Exactly. My air. question is, would, would like at that, at, at that age, would your grandmother have bought an extra subscription for you just to watch Formula Race? Uh, I mean, Formula of course One not. Races? No, it was by chance. Like she wouldn't have gotten Sky Sports F1 or F1 TV Pro just for the odd chance that I would come over and then watch Formula One and get hooked. No, that was completely coincidental. And of course, YouTube might have that function now. And you, like, F1 has gotten better with YouTube. There's more content there. They used to be super strict. And I think they really need to make it more, you know, approachable. Like they talk a lot about diversity in F1 now as well, which is amazing. They need to do that. And in order to get a diverse people interested in F1, it needs to be easily accessible. Yeah, we see so many other sports being accessible through Amazon Prime Video, YouTube or Facebook Live. And if you want to watch Formula One, you would have to, in, in a lot of countries, buy a new subscription and pay in order to watch so we have this this pattern developing in in germany in the uk in the netherlands that free-to-air television is is disappearing so that's a that's a that's a great shame and yeah. especially with I these mean, new fans from from all corners of the internet you know coming from drive to survive or or their social media channels their youtube or instagram pages Exactly. Um, wanting to watch a race, it's, yeah, it's, just, it's not possible. Just to talk yeah. about the Germany part as well, because, you know, back in the day when Schumacher Sr., as you said, uh, was driving, mixed dad, you know, Michael Schumacher. Um, mixed dad, let's call him. A lot of casual F1 fans or just Germans in general would, would tune in on Sundays to root for their boy Michael. Like, that was the thing. And that's going to be harder to do now. And that will have an impact because just see, because of Schumacher's influence, so many more Germans came into F1, you know, Vettel, uh, Rosberg perhaps as well, Hülkenberg, you know, great drivers. Um, and nowadays, they, they, okay, so, so they did have F1 TV Pro for a couple of years, I think. And now Sky Sports Germany have bought the right. So if you can't even use F1 TV Pro to watch, um, and Airtel might have one or two races they're going to live broadcast, but it's not the same crowd. But on F1, like they were there if i couldn't watch f1 in denmark sometimes i could sometimes get the rtl signal and i could watch it there you know the kombacher intro and all that being nostalgic but uh, yeah but that's that's I, a great I, shame in europe that it's going the opposite direction than what it is in america but uh, yeah let's hope that uh, they they learn from from drive to survive and see how important it is to be accessible though uh, on the flip side though i do have to give a, a bit of a shout out to the content that uh, sky sky for sports. sure there's uh, no competition a, there a dedicated channel for formula one uh, and the the experts and panels that they have just the content created it, it's worth the price if you're a true formula one fan but for the casual viewers um yeah, yeah it's perhaps too big of a bridge to 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 cross yeah i agree there should but, be something in between you know uh, i mean Sky Sports coverage of F1 is absolutely amazing. It's the best coverage that's ever been in Formula One. Let's say, you know, they have a lot of budget to, you know, Martin Brundle driving classic F1 cars. These are things that I find really cool to watch. Um, but yeah, like you said, the casual fan will not be easily um, 
you know, it will not have not have an easy chance to just find F1 by chance on TV and then follow it. Yeah, so new for this season, what they're going to trial are, are sprint races. Yeah. So why don't, you, why don't you give some insight about that, Christopher? Yeah, well, I think F1's, the races in F1 don't need much changing with regards to the format. Qualifying is already super interesting. It's mo- one of the most exciting parts of the weekend. And they missed the boat. I think last year when the, there was so much uncertainty in the calendar, they brought in new tracks and whatnot. They could have tried it. We went to the same tracks like twice, you know, for Austria or the Styrian Grand Prix. Um, maybe there on the at the very first race, we could have tried it one of the weekends where we were going to stay there. I mean, the we had two races in Bahrain last year. We had the only testing session in Bahrain this year. And the yeah. first race of the season is going to be in Bahrain. Yeah. To me, that's the perfect place to trial this. Good point. Once. I mean, I mean, the fact that they're going to try three different tracks in the middle of the season, um, yeah, it just seems a bit... They should have done it for one race beginning of the season, and then they could have, you know, had this discussion during the season if it's something they want to try again in another season to see if it was actually successful. Uh, I think it's a little bit too big of a risk. I know F1 needs to move forward, um, but yeah, the teams are also complaining that it will be more expensive. Of course, there's a bigger risk of the cars getting damaged, uh, personnel as well. So they're asking for more compensation, basically, to to be able to to have this sprint race. Um, well, yeah, I think the the powers that be are trying to increase the entertainment value of it. They've looked at the junior formula and the success of the sprint races. In fact, they've changed the format in in Formula Three and Formula Two to uh, in a weekend include one more sprint race. So they're going to have three races per weekend, one feature race, and two sprint races. Yeah, uh, I think that's also a bit too too muddy. No, um, I feel sorry sometimes for the for the for the young kids in the junior formula because the races are not that straightforward. You can't just look at the results sheet and get an idea uh, of what happened. Um, it's good for the fans, of course, but um, yeah, I mean, let's see what happens this year. I'm curious still, of course, but uh, it, yeah, it does it does seem to take away a little bit too much. What can I say? Yeah, um, along with the new format in racing for both uh, F3 and F2, uh, we also have a new schedule for them both. So Formula 3 and Formula 2 are not going to be racing on the same weekend. They're going to alternate. Uh, That left space uh, in the weekend for the W Series, uh, which is is great. It's fantastic. For those of you who don't know, uh, the W Series is a, a, a championship consisting of 20 female drivers using Formula 3 cars. And it is completely free for them to enter. So they, they're not required to bring sponsorship because racing in general, um, to start, has gotten so expensive. And like the we've junior also formulas seen... especially as well, you know, need 100,000 millions of euro just to have a season or two in F2 or F3 and... Yeah, yeah. and uh, the you touched on diversity earlier, mm-hmm. uh, Christopher, and that's also one thing that I would like to point out: the lack of diversity in 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 gender in yeah. not just Formula One, just in motorsports, but also yeah. just business life as well. Absolutely. So the fact that the W Series is going to be on the Formula One calendar is great. They're going to have more exposure um, and provoke more thought, hopefully, and and discussion as to why silly arguments uh, that people have, have 
are formed are, are not valid. That yeah. Formula One is a place where it doesn't matter who you are, where you come from, what background you have, how much money you have. It doesn't matter if you're fast enough, you deserve to be there. Exactly. Uh, like just watching the intro to Drive to Survive or, you know, you just see all the boys. That's It's the guys, you know, F1 is a boys club. And we need to get away from this mentality um, because it just makes it harder for for girls, women to to get into F1. And there is a lot of good talent out there. Just imagine, you know, it's it's the same with going to any other country, let's say India or China. There's bound to be, you know, the next Hamilton, the next Schumacher there. And it's the same with with girls. Um, They're bound to be there, but they might not get into F1. And there's not much being done to really encourage them to go into F1. And there is still this old, stupid mentality of it, you know. Yeah, like we need the W Series is great because it removes one or several barriers for them to enter. Exactly. So uh, barrier number one, money, of course. Yeah. The costs involved are astronomical and they have been less effective in getting sponsorship yeah. to be able to either start or continue their careers. But also there's the exposure, the fact that there's going to be in the same you know calendar as F1 or there's going to be there at the uh, couple of the races. Well, you know, it'll shine the spotlight on, on these um, this young talent. And yeah, it can only be, it can only be good. Uh, I'm really, really yeah. excited for that. Yeah. So to 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 end on on that note, uh, one role model for for both girls and boys, men and women, um, has sadly departed the grid. Sabina Schmitz, um, yeah. lost losing her battle to cancer, uh, this last week. So I remember watching her her videos on YouTube and just being captivated truly the the queen of the ring yeah i mean she seemed to be such a cool person you know she had so much fun she had such a good spirit she was so excited and you know yeah it's, we need more of these people in life in general but uh yeah i think mm-hmm. she she brought a lot of joy and inspiration to a lot of people myself included you know i think that one of the best top gear episodes is the one where she's featured where she's driving the ford transit van around the nurburgring yeah. like it's terrifying yeah uh but yeah but just the just her Amazing. racing as well her racing as well her opening lap in the i think the, the what it used to be called the vln 24 mm. hours oh, yeah. that's race. a crazy the race opening lap boom flying past cars because she knows the track so well having actually being you know brought up there growing up around the area went around mm-hmm. the ring thousands and thousands of times so she overtook where she knew would be the grip, the spaces that the other uh, drivers didn't know. So it was it was fantastic. So if yeah. if you haven't seen the the video, I would highly recommend. Uh, yeah, looking for it. Sure. So yeah, that sort of wraps up um, our our first podcast, Christopher. Mm-hmm. Um, final thoughts. I'm so excited, man. F1 is happening tomorrow. Uh, free practice one. Uh, yeah, I can't wait. Like. It's not been that long of a winter, but it's always a long winter when there's no F1. So, uh, yeah. Well, it, was, it wasn't as long as last winter. Oh, exactly. that, was, that was very yeah. long. So, anyways, that was, uh, that was it for this first podcast uh, of our series. Take three, um, by the way, like I take, said. <laughs> yeah. So, if you have uh, any feedback to give us whatsoever, uh, if 
you didn't understand something, then uh, please don't be afraid and don't hesitate to reach out and just ask. Just be nice. Um, That's all we ask. Whichever. So you can follow us on Instagram at four mules and one jackass. And you can find us on Twitter at four mules and one. So in the meantime, um, I hope you enjoyed this podcast and we'll be back once the race has started or rather the season has started and the first race has uh, has been raced done. raced <laughs> yeah <laughs> uh, and in the meantime if there's anything at all uh, do let us know and again I hope you're staying safe and keep washing those hands and we'll see you next time please wash those hands all right <laughs>